0: welcome to this bonus episode with peter backman and me michael Tinkser. peter and myself have chosen to come together to create a series of conversations to help leaders in the food and drinks industry to get better out of the starting blocks we don't have all the answers but we wish to share our observation and insights which can help leaders to make better decisions about their strategies and navigate through the times ahead the topics are broad, covering city center trading delivery technology consumer behavior economic factors and much more so let's get started welcome to uh, a new conversation uh, me and uh, peter backman uh, a very good uh, connection of mine and i would say almost we've become podcast bodies so i think we've done uh, up to three conversations now within the last two years and uh, we had a little conversation off the off the mic where we said, okay, there is a, we are we are getting back now uh, as an industry. Seems like there's a bit of light on the end of the tunnel with the government announcement of a four phase rollout plan. Vaccines are going really well, especially in the UK. Uh, and then there, there's a lot of other elements going back. There's a lot of activity in the market starting, and I think today has been uh, a lot of announcements uh, as well, and in the previous week as well. And we're sitting here on a Monday, and we thought we would likely like to check in with you on a regular basis, actually to help you uh, getting the best insights and facts to to build the strategies you need to not just uh, survive, but actually maybe thrive long term, because 2021 uh, is, uh, in Peter, and my view, a transition year where you have the opportunity really to look into your strategies and your tactics about what you're going to do long term. And this is the year to experiment and learn new things about your business, your consumers, anything you need to know. But of course you need the real facts. And we will try to give you the, the big picture. So with that said, welcome to the the podcast, Peter, again. Uh, and I don't know if I got that conversation framed in the correct way, but you're always good to uh, say things in a very short and concise way if I missed anything.
1: No, I, um, I think it's been very useful. Thank you very much for the intro. Michael, thank you for asking me yet again uh, and I don't think you've misspoken at all um, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah and uh, and we thought that we wouldn't spend long time on presenting ourselves in, in, in this conversation and what we've done because we think that's said and done. Uh, Peter is a, a very well-known uh, expert in, in the food uh, service industry from everything from, from restaurants into to catering companies. Uh, and I work with the, the industry from a point of view, I want to help the operators to, to get better. And we thought that mixed together will be an interesting conversation about where the world is right now. So let's start with that, Peter. Where is the world right now? What is what is going on? Because, you know, in a global context, it seems like we are in different places. Uh, and, and definitely in the UK feels like there's a lot of positive signs.
1: Well, yeah, I mean... I guess you're probably talking about the big world rather than the world of food service, Uh, and that is governed by all the numbers, the number of cases, the number of hospitalizations, the number of deaths, unfortunately, uh, the number of vaccinations. All of those are important numbers. Um, I think they're varying and they differ from country to country, and that's why we're getting different perspective. But overall, it seems to me that there are probably three types of country um, in this. There are those countries like the UK that have really suffered. Um, uh, I'd put all of Europe in this as well, suffered. Uh, It's been a really tough time. um, uh, And lockdown has become a fact of life. Then there are countries that said, right, we're going to lock down really hard. And that's it. We're not going to allow this um, virus to get any foothold at all. Countries like Australia. And then finally, there are countries that they've been affected, but not hugely. Um, uh, they've had some um, uh, reasonable, reasonably high numbers. But overall, um, they're, they're doing okay. And I put a lot of Africa in that. Uh, spot. So there are three different types of um, country. I'm no doubt there are many other ways of classifying them. So you can look at the food service market within the within those contexts. If there has been lockdown, then usually the foods, well, almost without exception, the food service market, restaurants, hospitality in general, has been um, closed down for relatively different periods of time and that has caused lots of problems for the industry made a bit better by government support of one sort or another and of course governments have put in such a lot of money uh, into the um, keeping elements of the economy going that that's something that we're going to have to live, for, live with in the future. When we come back and talk um, on our 10th anniversary talk we will be talking about the debt that we've still got that we're paying off.
0: Yeah, because there's no free meals, as they say, for lunch anywhere. What about um, if we take the uh, the world situation down to uh, economy? You, name, you mentioned death. You know, there's just been a new budget announced last week here in the, in the UK as well, and uh, there was some positives in that. There was definitely a helping hand for businesses. Uh, out to september with furlough with some some catches in that but uh, in general uh, a hand again from the government to to keep the uh, people in jobs and uh, potentially keep them in their jobs after september as well as the economy hopefully bounces back what is your view peter on uh, where are we with the the economy Uh, are we going to have this bounce back effect there's been a lot of talk about that almost like a u-curve economic growth back in into the uk you believe
1: well, I, I'm not I'm not a, an economist and, you know, I don't really know about the economy other than what I read. Um, I pay attention to the Office for, Public, Pub, Office for Budget Responsibility, partly because their reports are very easy to understand and partly because the government um, use it as their as their guide, if you like. Um, the Bank of England is also very useful. Um, and then there are various uh, economists that you can listen to. But I find um, I I sort of switch off after a bit. They're either all saying the same thing or they're saying different things. That's why I I just focus on one or two. So my view is governed by the OBR report more than anything else. And that seems to be painting a relatively positive picture for the future, Um, employment, rising, the economy growing, not as great as it would have been without COVID and and without Brexit, but still okay. So um, although we've been through a really dreadful, wrenching, personally difficult time, the economy will bounce back. Um, It it won't be as good as it was um, or as it would have been without COVID, but but it'll be okay.
0: What about economy? I know you're not an economist, uh, but uh, how does this again change the way operators should look at uh, the consumer? Because you know the economy, if it's going bad, it really impacts uh, consumer spending and thereby also the 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 small spending they do for takeout or food on the go. There will be more uh, reflecting about how they spent their food dollars as I call them and we, we have a changed consumer there's no doubt about that since uh covid as you said lockdown has become a part of life this is what we do now
1: yeah i mean i think this this one bit of discussion can go on for quite a long time because there are various strands that n- need to be pulled out i think i would observe that um for the next two three years um people won't have it generally people won't have as much money in their pocket overall uh, on average as they had before however there are a lot of people who've got more money they haven't had to buy a season ticket to get to work for example which might cost them thousands of pounds a year um they haven't been on summer holidays although they may make up for that they've um probably not been spending quite as much on various things because they're just not out shopping and having a look so there are people who have got much more money in their pocket than they had before so some of that money will find its way into the food service market um so that's good um there will be people who've got roughly the same amount of money as they had before um so they'll probably carry on and there will then be people who've lost their jobs. And, um, you know, we've got um, about five and a half million people at the moment who are unemployed. Um, So, uh, which is an increase um, of, I forget the exact figure, about 60% above what it was pre-COVID. So there will be people without jobs. Um, uh, Overlaying that, will be um, what I think everybody agrees is one of the outcomes of COVID and that is changing work practices. Um, The extent to which work practices change by working at home is open for debate but it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that city centres will have 20 maybe 30% fewer people in them at any one time. that being the case, those outlets that are um, dependent on that missing 30% are going to suffer. Um, but those that 30% will be buying food somewhere else. They may be buying it from a supermarket or they may be buying it from a coffee shop just around the corner from where they live. So there are all these changes which are occurring and we don't really know... Uh, what's going to happen. Uh, And we won't know until uh, the doors open uh, and we walk into the wide new world and we allow things to settle down. So we're talking, I don't know, um, six months, a a year, something like that, before it becomes clearer what is actually changed and what the world looks like. But, But within that, operators are going to have to be capable of meeting those new demands
0: it's, it's quite interesting but it has been laid out this in the uk this clear four faces plan from from the government and and that brought uh, quite excitement and some people got frustrated because it was too late uh, and i and i've there's different buckets of people as the people that is uh, frustrated with that they can't open their hospitality business earlier uh, and then there's the people that uh, is uh, maybe taking it a bit more calm and saying, you know what, we've been maybe closed for, for a long time now. We haven't been able, able to trade. Let's just wait to make sure we don't get in to be locked down again. So they, they're pushing it all the way to June, July, especially independent operators here that that is maybe in a, in a better cash position. Maybe they actually own the, the asset as well. And, and then you have the one that is uh, saying, Gonna, are we going to survive this? It's a it's total survival battle uh, more than uh, an opportunity for actually uh, coming back. Um, uh, I don't know if you heard the same same kind of buckets.
1: Broadly, that, that's what I'm hearing too. Um, and it's, it's quite difficult to put different companies into one of your buckets. You know, you can't say this sort of company is going to be in that bucket. It partly depends on how much cash they had at the beginning and they may have been a small company that was heavily indebted or they may have been a medium-sized company that actually had loads of cash you know it it's really difficult um to work out um precisely why uh one company would be taking one view and one will be taking another but there are there are varying degrees of um enthusiasm to get back I think what, what worries me is that there will be people saying we've really got to get back because we've got to get business flowing through when it, when in fact they're, they're, the way that they're structured, their operating model, their market, whatever, is not really fit for an immediate startup. So I, I I think we may find, and this is just a supposition, that we may find that there will be companies that are eager to open but are not really ready to open or their market's not ready to open. And those will be companies that will be um, in trouble fairly quickly.
0: Yeah, and I guess we've already seen uh, a lot of CVAs and uh, restructures just to keep the the business alive or refinancing it. That was the only way around. And I guess we we haven't really seen the end of that because we're still underpinned maybe support or... You know the landlords are not able to react against uh, certain operators because they're protected by the government's legislation right now. Um, so I think also we have that to come, and how that will unroll, and how the landlords, potentially the landlord, how they're going to play their parts in this. Yeah, I
1: think I guess if you were to line up a hundred restaurant companies and say, "What's your biggest problem?" Um, most of them would say it's the it's the debt we've got. For- To the landlord that is the biggest problem Um, apart from being psychologically wearying it's also a huge amount potentially a huge amount of money so um, to what extent they've been able to um, mitigate that um, overhang is going to be hugely important Um, and that really depends on the operator but also on the landlord and there are some landlords who are very um, understanding, and there are some landlords who are very, I would say, misunderstanding. Whatever the whatever the um, opposite of understanding is, um, and you know, I hear about um, operators who are saying, well, we are paying our small. You know, we've got a mixture of landlords, and we're quite happy, or con- you know, we we will pay first the smaller landlords for whom the property we occupy is part of their pension. So we'll be helpful to them and the bigger landlords, well, we'll just have a tougher negotiation. All sorts of things going on. Um, Sorting out the debt is um, a huge problem. Uh, It's going to constrain companies as they move forward. So they open up, they, they start, working out uh, things happening okay but they've still got all this debt to pay and that is going to be a, a drain on their cash for a very long time so it's going to um, uh, prevent them investing um, you know uh, uh, trying out new things and so on
0: Yeah, and it it interests me in saying that there's a couple of elements. I've also seen uh, landlords being, I don't know if they followed through with it, but it's definitely been in the conversation becoming, you know, part investors in some of these restaurants and that's probably not so much on a chain level but maybe on more individual restaurants where that restaurant actually have a quite significant impact on the the value of the property or the experience of the property where they're going to go in and actually say okay the way we solve this is that we get more involved and we become part of, of this venture and that's a, a, a proposition i haven't seen a concrete where i can mention with name they made this kind of arrangement but i think it was cross for was out saying this and i think also the, the queen's estate was out uh, uh, saying that so 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 i don't know if of uh, you have heard any similar things going on right now
1: but it's all part of the um mantra that the uh, rent model is broken and i was hearing this prior to covid you know nothing new what COVID has done is exposed the the difficulty with upward only rent review, with no flexibility uh, in payment, etc. And I think what COVID has done it's it's introduced a wider um, understanding that there there has got to be flexibility in um, in the payment model when operators don't have the money to pay the rent then you shouldn't line them up against the wall and threaten them you should be saying okay let's have less now and we have a bit more when you can afford it Um, I I think that is a a mood which um, has been around for a long time but it's probably gaining more attract more traction now
0: yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing as well we you said uh, with the smaller landlords and uh, and the big ones. But I guess it all comes down to a landlord's ability to pay their mortgage. And I think that's what's going to impact the, the situation more than else because you, you have a, somebody else that you owe money, a bank or a, a lending institution that will probably be quite harsh on the, the landlord as well. So there's, a, there's a, some understanding always around. Another thing I would like to discuss with you, Peter, as well, uh, regional versus city center. Regionally, it sounds like the CEO of especially smaller regional change I thought with, they're having uh, quite good days. There's been some challenging around adapting to this new way of operating. Now they got their, their feet on the ground. They have balance again. They're now snapping up property regionally uh, from well-known brands as Pret, Eat, and uh, others that has been closing down units and actually making this regional footprint because they can see the regional activity both on delivery but also walk in and click away and when you can eat in, have just grown their businesses. And they suddenly, in the consumer's mind, has. become become a bit of a, a hero, a maverick within all this, you know, shop local, support your local uh, restaurant chain. And you have uh, uh, the Boston Tea Party, the real eating company in the Southeast has expanded and, and there's many others, smaller operators will have between 10 to uh, to 20 units. That's really seeing this as an opportunity to get in in affordable property, but also get a chance they never would have before opening in places that was unconsiderable just a year ago to get into.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that goes back to our earlier point, doesn't it, about um, changing work practices. So if if you're at home and, I don't know, let's say you you go to the office one week or three weeks out of four, say, um, so you'll be working at home for a week, you're not going to lock yourself up in your home like you have done for the last year. You're going to get out and about Uh, you're going to meet friends, you're going to meet colleagues, uh, but you're going to do it locally. And so high streets that have been a bit, you know, um, depressed for a few years are going to find that there are additional opportunities because, you know, it's quite simple. Um, Eating is a zero-sum game, basically. We eat as much as uh, wherever, you know. In a week, we eat as much as we would, normally eat just depends where we are so if you're not going to the office and you're not going out at lunchtime for a sandwich at Pret or a coffee at Costa or whatever you're going to do the same thing either eating at home or eating out in your local high street and eating at home is okay but eating out in the high street's better so there are opportunities um, and that's that's at a simple level Um, I think more regionally I think that, that there is a similar process at work. So I'm working in North London and somebody else is working in Northampton. We're both being local, but when we meet up, we don't meet up in your office. we, we, we all meet up somewhere between here and Northampton. So it's that, that um, element as well. So there's an awful lot um, of change that can potentially happen. So, you know, it's great to have all these theories, but does it actually happen? I suspect it will, but we don't know. But along the way, for for operators who are clued up, who are imaginative, who see what's going on, you know, there will be loads of opportunities
0: taking it from the more regional perspective that looks quite uh, bright especially for the the, the local uh, and the small independent operators. i think they also see massive opportunity as the uh, tourism and travel comes back uh, into to regional uh, cities as well but take it into city centers you just released last week uh, the food service landscape in Tomorrow's City with a, with a business uh, partner of yours from Paris as well, where you're comparing London and Paris. Can you tell me a bit more on, and the audience a bit more about um, what have been your learnings as you put this together? Because I know when you build concise uh, and very heavy material like this, you, you actually start to reflect on things in a different way and you start to get uh, insights and facts on things instead of just theories
1: yes um well actually my colleague I'll give him a little plug was françois Bluin, who is the chairman of a company called food service vision based in france uh, and we set out really just to map what what could, what's happening in city centers um, it wasn't really comparing paris and london it was using paris and london as as um, paradigms if you like and seeing you know where the commonalities uh what 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 views we could come up with and an important consideration to us was well any uh restaurant any fast food outlet any pub whatever depends on people so who are the people who are in city centers and we split those up into three different categories there are the locals who are going to be around always there are um commuters um people who come into work And they come in a whole variety of different flavors. So they may be your um, engineer who's fixing your telephone, or it may be a a CEO of a large corporation, all sorts of different workers. And then there are tourists. Um, They may be international tourists. They may be local. And if you look at each of those and work out how they're going to change within your city, within the location that you're looking at, you're going to come up with a view about what the future could look like. So that, that was one um, learning that we came up with and that we we've built into uh, the white paper that's available um, from my website or you can email me or what, whatever. Um, so it's, um, it was, it's been a very interesting exercise, I must say. And our learnings are applicable, not just Paris and London, but New York or Amsterdam or wherever.
0: Be interesting to hear a bit more about what did you then learn about the, the office you know everybody talks about this you know and more and more corporate companies are going out say you don't have to return to the office and i think spotify was one of the last big brands saying that you can come in whenever it suits you uh, and all that suddenly brings an interesting element of you if you normally would take the train up to london where i go from to brighton you you arrive at london bridge station and you see all this food to go so that was the first one. And the second one I was thinking were really important. And then there's catering, which I've been involved in myself. Wow, this is interesting because suddenly it's a very different dynamics we're up against. And everybody suddenly are in the market of catering because that's one of the revenue streams you can have. And and the office thereby becomes this, uh, you know, almost an adventure in a, a part of the employee experience. You go there for very specific things or very important meetings or then you are out regional working in a co-working space or in a cafe and you're not in this the, the city what what is your learnings for from a food service operator what do they need to be aware of and uh, how how dire is it actually for them
1: well as, i think as 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 we've been developing um, our conversation anyway it's um, if you are a contract caterer that relies on I don't know, 150 people eating in your restaurant every day and the numbers now get reduced to 100 you've got um you've got to rethink the way that you work basically um uh, the employer has also got to consider whether he need he or she needs to make that offer available so you know at one level it's it's um a boom or bust um the local Coffee shops nearby, well, they're not going. They're going to suffer from smaller numbers, so they ought to downsize. But that's not always possible, or close. If they close, then their business that would have gone to them is now available to other coffee shops. So there's going to be mixing around and and uh, changes at, at that level. Um, there is the whole space of delivery, which we haven't talked about. Where you know lunchtime might just become a a delivery space, so you never get food cooked at work; it's always delivered to your desk or to the um, kitchenette down the corridor. That's another potential model. So there's there are a lot of different ways that these things can change. I think that the trying to stick with the old model whatever that was for a particular business uh, might work but it might not work and i think again there will be a lot of people who are trying to fit an old um, model into a new framework um so uh, i think it's going to be enormously interesting to see what happens and it's going to depend so some businesses um are saying, well, we don't need anybody working. We, we just won't have a, a central office. Or if we do, it'll be very, very small. It'll consist of half a dozen meeting rooms and, and that's it. Um, and then there will be others who, for whom, you know, it's quite important that most people come in most of the time. And there may be businesses that are in the same market and one takes one view and one takes another view. So there will be a lot of change. I suspect it's all going to settle down over the next few years. But until it does, there's going to be a lot of lurching from one one way of doing things to another.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting as well that we actually really don't know how we're going to behave before we are allowed to be let out again. We talked a bit about uh, the vaccine rollout as well. And as the second jab comes in, doesn't mean that we are... We are past it we still have the vaccine or the 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 pandemic is still racing out there and it's just a question about riding the waves in a way so to to we find out how we we live with this and how we because i think it was the sars i read something about it took them five years to in a way come back to normality and they're still wearing masks uh, because they didn't feel safe Uh, For for many reasons, either they had a reason to be unsafe or they just believed it was not gone. So I guess there's also that element that nobody can predict right now. It's just an an open question what that means for us.
1: Yes, but it also opens up discussion about tourists, people coming from overseas and and international business travel as well. Um, So that is going to be impacted. Um, I read... Uh, in in one of the weekend newspapers that the, um, the world is not... Oh, Western countries are not going to be properly um, vaccinated in total until 2023. Well, if that's the case, then there are going to be places that you're just either not going to want to travel to, or you're not going to be allowed to travel to, or you're not going to be allowed to come back from. Um, so there will be changes at that level. And if your business is dependent on a particular type of person, and airports is a good example, but it may be um, uh, tea shops in in tourist-heavy uh, destinations, you know, they're going to be, um, they're going to suffer um, and they're going to be looking for new opportunities. Um, and at the same time, if Brits ca- can't go, abroad quite so often they're going to spend more time in this country more opportunities um so you know it's a it's a, a, a scales really am i am i on the up or am i on the down um and th- you know that that um is is an unknown basically
0: yeah because i think a lot of people have as you said understood that business trouble is definitely changed forever But how that's going to fall out and how that's going to to come back in some kind of form, maybe combined with leisure, maybe there's going to be a more open door from companies, how people spend their time away. Uh, But yeah, nobody really knows. But there's no doubt about business travel also changed for, and especially hotels are looking into a very difficult future and they also have a food service within that but you, you mentioned delivery i want to talk a bit about that because that has been the big talking point uh, the last 12 months uh, it's boomed everybody has a delivery product even you know uh, ready to go here and now uh, peer-to-peer delivery or they have retail products it's all about delivery now e-commerce and so on what is your view on this and uh and also what's happened recently with uh, Deliveroo and they've been out announcing the, the IPO and so on. It, there's a lot of movement in that market. And it's...
1: Yes. Um, so the, the the market, the delivery market has grown since lockdown. Um, and it's grown f- from two elements, I believe. The, the, the restaurant delivery market has grown from two elements. One is um, replacing a, an eat-in a, a, a dine-in um, offer so you would have gone to the restaurant but now you're not and then there is something um, additional on top of that that has if you like the the food would have been bought from a supermarket and it's now bought from uh, a restaurant or a delivery um, outlet um, part of that growth is, is at risk when when people can go out again so i suspect that what we will see is a plateauing of of uh eating of delivery once things are are relaxed because you don't need to go out you don't need to have a, a restaurant meal delivered because you can actually go and enjoy the real thing and the cost is the same or even cheaper um, that's at one level. And then at the other level, you may say, well, um, I, I'm i now going to um, uh, have more delivery coming into my home um, because I've seen that it works and, and it, it works for me and I'm quite comfortable with it. So m- my overall assessment is that that delivery has got a big had a big boost uh, during lockdown. Some of the numbers will include non-restaurant sales in them, so there may be just booze sales or grocery sales, um, but you know they are relatively small element of the part of the whole. So the restaurant delivery market has grown massively. Um, That will probably, as I say, in my view, is going to plateau um, uh, and then it'll start growing again. Um, uh, at the same time and again what we have seen during lockdown but it again it started before is the bigger players just getting bigger consolidation mergers and acquisitions and so on and during, during lockdown Just Eat Takeaway which I think had merged just before a lockdown bought Grubhub in the States um, Uber bought Postmates in the States. So there's been, you know, in two countries that we know about, there's been change. There's been change in India. I've, I've just got a, a study coming out very shortly on the Indian delivery market. Um, the, uh, in Germany, Deliveroo pulled out of Germany, but Waltz has come in. So there are, there's a lot happening because what delivery companies are desperately trying to do it's become profitable. And the, the route to that um, seems to be, from what everything they say is, we've just got to get big enough, we've got to drive out the competition, and our marketing costs will go down, and our uh, sales, and we can set our prices higher. Well, part of that may work. I, I'm not so sure about raising prices marketing costs will come down will they come down enough to deliver profitability i don't know because none of these companies seem to publish enough data information about their operational model to to allow you to come up with a view on that so there are um there are questions about the profitability of the restaurant delivery model um so the, the market is here it's going to grow in different countries at different rates. Um, I suspect we are in the far distant horizon we can actually see the, mar- the market flattening out and um, making money out of it is an issue and I think will remain an issue.
0: Yeah, and it's not only a, only an issue for the delivery platforms. Uh, you know, lots of operators also struggling with Getting to work because of the, the fee structure that needs to be put in place for actually getting somewhere close to, to to profitability, as you, as you said. But I, I think the interesting thing is I've seen some uh, more offshoot delivery platforms coming regionally, starting focusing on. Uh, uh, Cambridge and Bristol, you have a I think they call foodstuff where they are focusing on working very closely with the independent operator uh, of having the technology but also the logistics bit. But they also probably discover as they scale that model, the cost of logistics when you own it is massive. And that's the reason why the delivery platforms never actually started out with owning the the logistics in this scale. They need to to actually make a profitable model. It's gonna be interesting to see that. And then there's also the the owners that's been comfortable and operators been comfortable about, you know, delivery and actually tried to push people over to a click and collect model, or they have actually tried to expand uh, their team into delivery, but that's a challenging game as well to find good delivery drivers. Uh, because they are also competing up against Amazon, who is recruiting heavily in this market for for drivers. So, so I think there's other elements happening as well, where you could see maybe some operator will take more control of their delivery model than they do today. Yeah,
1: and, and you you make you make a, a couple of good points, and I just sort of emphasise them. One is the um, the opportunity to make money from delivery. Um, it's interesting that the CFO of Domino's Inc. in the States said a couple of weeks ago, in 60 years, and Domino's been running 60 years, in 60 years, Domino's has never made $1 from delivery. It's all come from the product. So if your business is built on doing delivery and the best delivery company in the world can't make money out of it the best restaurant um, uh, delivery company in the world can't make money out of it why should you make money out of it so i think that is a real challenge and the the other one is about the the platform getting the orders the the marketplace and of course that is the the underpinning of the just eat takeaway model we'll make money from from that marketplace which is a pure um, technology play Um, and everybody needs to be on the platform otherwise they're not going to get any orders that's the the ultimate game there so an ideal an an ideal or a a workable model is one which relies on um, the uh, marketplace income and doesn't worry about the um, cost of doing a lot of small delivery because that is not possible to make money out of
0: totally agree the the peer-to-peer model is is very difficult to um to work um what about um i just want to touch on uh two more things and then we were going to start wrapping up but talent um i especially heard around when i talked with ceo founders around uh London um, I've seen that as a couple of businesses I'm involved in uh, these people they moved the uh, European people that worked in hospitality moved back to uh, to their home countries Poland Portugal Spain France wherever they're from and they probably don't have some of them definitely don't have the intent to come back uh, first of all because of the honest stability in the the country of the UK but then brexit on the top of it. Uh, and then in a sector where they don't know if they have a job next month, because even though if they come back now as we open back up, it's actually a long-term job for them, uh, How is it looking in three months' time. And all that impact, especially the, the management layers uh, of an organization right now, and also the the arms and hands they need as uh, the sector bounce back uh, across the country. But I think especially London is hit, And I think it's a very regional thing for, for London, when I talk with people around the world, I've seen similar thing in regional area, in Melbourne, Australia. That works, the industry that works very heavily on getting uh, people in on visas and working, especially from Asian country. Uh, have Have you had any like uh, heard any stories, any concerns around the whole talent challenge, just having arms and legs to operate?
1: Well, it, it's interesting. First of all, it was always like this. It's always been um, an issue in in the sector. You know. Before the e- the EU was around, it was difficult to recruit chefs and waiters and so on. And it always will be because the sector, for a whole variety of very good reasons, can't afford to pay big money. So it'll always be um, having to fight for for labour. Um, the so i, I mean I, and i hear all sorts of um stories uh, about you know um losing labor people going abroad and not coming back etc so i'm i'm agreeing with what you're saying i think one of the one of the thoughts is that um given that we've had a reduction in supply i.e few, there are fewer outlets operating now than there were before and although some of them will come back absolutely they will come back uh, because the demand is there we may not get back to the the old numbers so that would require fewer um people so will that reduction in the number of people be sufficient to overcome the shortfall i suspect not but it might be so it's a um that is is part of the issue and I think another part of the issue is actually having people who've got the right skills so it's it's you know you you can recruit a an a student to work in the pub or um an out-of-work actor to work in the in a restaurant you can do all that but actually do these people have the the skills that you need um the understanding of the food the, the ability to read what the customer is saying do they have it well some will and some won't um but we but have it having enough people with enough skills is a challenge it always has been and i guess it always will be
0: yeah, and I guess also when you have to change your your business model, on you just go up in in, in the more key roles in in, in chains, the whole digitalization element and things suddenly this different skill set you need than before. And of course, some people can be trained up and learn things, but there's also an element of the maybe need a totally different skill set to actually set your business up for success in the future, from a strategic point of view.
1: Yeah, I think so. And of course, we haven't, haven't talked about technology. I don't know if that's the last item on your agenda, but maybe it's something to talk about next time. But technology means that you're actually going to have to have somebody in your restaurant who actually understands the blooming thing. Um, but is it going to be enough to, to know your way around Facebook or are you going to have to have more skills than that? I don't know, but it's a it's a thought.
0: Yeah, because, uh, you know, breakdown in technology is breakdown more so than ever in, in your revenue streams uh, dramatically. So you need to have people as comfortable about fixing a local box, as they call them in, in IT. Yeah, I think that that's a whole, that can be a whole subject on itself, on, on technology and uh, back of house front of house uh, platforms in itself so 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 i'll put that down as a note for our conversation next time peter i think that's probably very uh, relevant as we, at that point we'll be closer to uh, a reopening of the uh, the industry but i think where where do you see uh, from what you know today peter uh, this is a crystal ball moment a bit of unfair moment but where do you see the industry in six to the next six twelve months? Uh, you indicated a bit it's, it's a it's a year of testing, trying things out, and being open to that. What you believed was your 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 journey uh, ma- might change when we open the doors fully for people over the summer.
1: Okay, so let's let's pretend we're having this conversation on New Year's Eve, twenty twenty one. What are we saying? Um, this is always very dangerous because you're going to pick it out and play it <laughs> <laughs> on New Year's Eve, 2021. Um, so we will have been through a, um, a, a, quite a few months of trading. Uh, some of it will have been fairly normal. Um, it will 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 be in a position to be planning. M- maybe there will be some return of. Of lockdown covid etc i think um my my planning assumption would be it's going to be minor and not noticeable um but when you play this on on new year's eve <laughs> i might regret those words um but that's my planning assumption so we've been we've been uh trading for a bit business is okay quite frankly we're beginning to pay off some of our debt um there's new ideas coming along. Um, Labour is a bit of a problem, but we're finding ways around it. So, you know, I I think that's going to be a general sense of where, where I see us at the end of the year. Um, you know, OK. Um, obviously could be better, but also could be a damn sight worse.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I would I just add or emphasise, I think it's going to be the year where you... Um... Also going to find out what you should stop doing, and you mentioned it uh, before. I think a lot of operators would have found out what they're not doing from the old model at that point as well.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. Don't try and cram this uh, these uh, these things into the model if they're not going to work. Don't don't try it.
0: So so the last thing I wanted to ask you, Peter, or we both can pitch in here. we have already given one good good advice. You know, don't don't cram something in that doesn't work. Stop doing it. Uh, but what what top three things do you think that leaders out there in the, in the industry should have in their mind right now as they are planning their their way through 2021 and beyond? Well,
1: I I think it's it's really going to be important to know what you're doing, what's your purpose, why are you here, what's your proposition? Th- those sort of big strategic things. What are you trying to to do? Um and yeah, okay, you're trying to make money and float the business fine, but why should people come to your place? Why should they really come? And if you can answer that question and stick true to it and providing your answers a a sensible one and you can stick to it, you know, that would be a good bit of advice, I think. Um, Secondly, uh, make sure that you relate to your stakeholders. You can drop a long list of stakeholders, but it's the the key ones, probably um, employees, probably um, customers, probably landlords, and depending on who you are, your shareholders, but there may well be others as well, like suppliers, um, you know, a, a whole range of different stakeholders. Ideally, you should be talking to them all, but try not having a clear view about which ones are really crucial to your business. So that would be my second bit of advice. And the third bit is have cash.
0: Yeah. Uh, cash is
1: king, as always. <laughs> uh, particularly will be over the next, you know, the coming months.
0: Um, yeah, I think it was it was really good. And I agree on all of them. Uh, regarding the positioning and the, the employees, I think also this is the time where, if uh, you don't have a unique employee proposition and don't feel that you're standing out this could also be an element you can win on because you might be doing some things that people are looking for a job don't know And I've noticed a concrete example of people looking at their employee employability proposition. It's Honestberger that has been out talking about the way they're changing working conditions and the way they work together, how they use technology to make better work environments. So that's a great example if you want to go and look somewhere out there, how you're actually working with your culture as a a core part of attracting people, also customers for that sake. Uh, And I think that's going to be many of the winning businesses as we we go forward, understand that balance between the the outside proposition and the inside proposition. So with that said, uh, Peter, is there anywhere people should go? And uh, for more advice, I know you have an amazing weekly newsletter I consume myself. With a lot of info. Where, where can they go and find that? I think people should sign up for that. Okay, well, you can go
1: to my website um, and sign up there or just send me an email. My website is uh, Peter Backman FS, that's FS for short for foodservice.com. Peter dot com, And my email address is Peter at peterbackmanfs.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and, um, my, my newsletter is available every week on LinkedIn as well. And you can sign up th- through, to it through LinkedIn. Um, and, and I'm around basically.
0: Great. And we will uh, also put all that in the, uh, the show notes for this episode and, and Peter and I intend to do more of this. So we are just getting started. It was the first lap as uh, Peter says and then we will uh, continue out through this year and see how we can be in in service and helping you guys out there with more info and conversation about these you know big strategic moving parts
1: and can i suggest uh, michael that um you, we encourage people to ask questions through you or me and we can work those out while we talk
0: yeah and uh, feel free to send a question now as you would listen to this but also uh, we will uh Probably uh, before we do the next one, now we, uh, we are warmed up and have an idea about the, the format. We will send out a bit of a notice before we record the next one so people can put in uh, relevant questions uh, uh, where they are at, at the point of their journey. So with that said, uh, Peter, thank you again for uh, spending a bit of time with me and uh, doing a number four together it was it was a great place and always lots of insights and great uh, knowledge uh, on, on the industry so so thank you very much peter thank you for having me michael so that's all for today thank you so much for listening in if you have any feedback or want to get in touch with us please reach out to us on linkedin or find our emails in the show notes If you enjoyed this episode, please consider letting the world know by honoring us with a five-star review or share it with your network. We hope you are getting out of the starting block well and we send you and the team all the energy they need for the coming period.